All right, so I think we'll go ahead and get started. So um, first off, thanks for joining. Uh, my name is Josh or Cujo. Uh, we got Dave, uh, we got Alex, and we've got Dan. Um, so we just wanted to uh, get together. Uh, we recap and do a little recap on uh, Dave and I's time at Flight Fest. It was a lot of fun. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Flight, uh, Flight Fest is a four-day event uh, that uh, Flight Test puts on. Uh, we were invited to uh, come out by uh, Josh uh, Fixler and Luke Katchner, and uh, we just had a blast. We um, set up uh, two FPV sections at the event. Uh, one was with race gates, and the other side was kind of freestyle, open FPV fly. And, uh, you know, we think it was a, a pretty good success. Uh, we had some great feedback from the people who were flying FPV. Uh, we kept it pretty uh, calm. Uh, and uh, we really didn't have, you know, many issues. Uh, cool part is, is uh, everybody got uh, sent down to Dave and I to get their VTXs checked. Uh, made sure everybody was on the right channels, on the right power, and sent them off to have fun. And uh, the other cool part is, is we spent the better part of four days um, really helping uh, kids and adults uh, uh, with their quads um, and their FPV that they were, you know, FPV rigs that they were flying to some of their fixed wings and getting them up in the air and. Uh, some really good success stories that came out of it. We had one gentleman, uh, Nathan, I believe his name was. Uh, he had purchased a, uh, a quad from the previous flight fest and spent a year trying to get it to function. And uh, Dave and I spent the better part of three hours with him, uh, kind of tag teaming it, finding issues, uh, getting them resolved one by one, and getting him to fly uh, his first uh, quadcopter flight. Um, and the dude was awesome. Uh, I will say he had practice on simulators and his first flight was just awesome. We were able to witness it and he was super happy. And, uh, we just had a lot of fun, um, talking to people about drones, uh, having, you know, helping them with their, with their projects and then getting to see what they were doing with them. Um, simulators do work. They do actually, and um, I was actually talking to a gentleman today at work about, uh, you know, he had a little bit of experience uh, crashing drones, but not actually flying them. <laughs> and uh, hopefully, not too about... much experience crashing. <laughs> <laughs> so I was talking to him about some simulators and and kind of getting him schooled on what he needs to do to actually get up in the air and have some fun. So um, it was definitely a gift. Uh, to be able to be out there and participate in that. Um, there were some amazing things that we saw. Um, first of which was the three-time-a-day combat um, that they ran, uh, where people would spend uh, you know hours building and then instantly throw what they just finished building, or sometimes didn't quite finish building, in the air um, to... Uh, do combat with other people's airplanes. And uh, there were times where there were, you know, 150, 200 uh, planes in the air at once. And it's amazing to see how hard it is to actually hit another uh, airplane in the air, including some bigger airplanes. I mean, 
some of these some of these airplanes at the event were very large. Did some people build uh, like purposely tar large mm -hmm. targets for people to hit? Absolutely. And then other people would build large uh, planes with like barbecue skewers all over the wings <laughs> and fuselage. Uh, so that they had a better chance of actually hitting something. So it was it was really cool. And um, Greg uh, and his team from Pilot Institute were out there, and uh, we were talking. And one of the key points that um, he brought up is, you know, everybody's always so worried about a, a UAS or a drone uh, hitting something in the air. And when you're actually trying to do it, it's a lot harder than you think it is. <laughs> so it's uh, pretty impressive. So, Do you have any pictures uh, you can share or anything? Uh, let's see. I'd, I'd have to transfer them over real quick, but maybe as somebody else is talking, I will share some. Uh, I've got a couple of them. Uh, yeah, Dave, what do you have to add about Flight Fest? Well, it was it was great, you know, because they don't let me out much, so uh, <laughs> it was really good to be uh, out and among people. Yeah, that that uh, speaks to what you were talking about earlier about uh, the SPF fifty and reapplying it while you're outside. If you don't yeah, get out much. Important. That's right. <laughs> you know, you work for inside and uh, remotely for 20 years, you know, it sort of catches up with you. But it was uh, it was fantastic. We um, it really was uh, brought home to this is why we're working on regulations for people to ignore, you know, and not worry about uh, regulations and fly and have a great time. Uh, there was a, it was positive. It was inclusive. And the atmosphere was just infectious. And uh, really, aviation was secondary to uh, to the people and the relationships. It was just just fun and you know, kids and adult kids. And uh, uh, the uh, the range of the age of uh, pilots were from about four ish to octogenarians. So it was uh, it was quite a range, and everyone was just laughing and having a good time. So um, there was uh, in addition to Pilot Institute. Um, uh, VAS, Alex Greaves' uh, firm, um, Video Aerial Systems, I think, yep. uh, was there. Horizon Hobby was there as well. Uh, also, uh, FR, Flight, Sky. Uh, FR Sky was there. And Flight Test had a, a great supply of uh, foam to uh, and hot glue to uh, patch things together when uh, when they uh, when folks crashed. And it was it was uh, uh, fun. And it was about um, they figure about two thousand pilots. So uh, one of the one of, if not the largest, uh, RC event. Uh, we also carefully uh, separated uh, the FPV uh, quadcopters uh, from fixed wing to try to keep the tensions down. And uh, there were there were no scuffles. There were no there was uh, you know, a couple of uh, folks we needed to uh, remind not to plug in and where to fly, but uh, uh, very respectful and. Uh, uh, no tempers uh, flared, so it was uh, that was great. And uh, Josh found a uh, uh, an aircraft that we were hunting for in the uh, soybeans for an hour <laughs> and a half, um, and it was a, a, a one meter uh, yellow uh, airplane, a disc launched uh, glider. Doesn't and sound the, like a hard uh, thing owner... to fly find in a field. It was Dave was out it, there. You, Honestly, he you, was out there for a long time. But you and... Mavic up. I did. I sent my I, I sent my DJI FPV up, and I was like way out, um, looking for it. Couldn't find it, and then I, <clears throat> I ran out of juice on the on the DJI FPV. So I went out there and I started 
you know, humping through the uh, soybeans and found it, uh, finally found it. Actually, another uh, uh, guy that was flying uh, crashed his plane, so I walked over to grab his and hand it to him, and literally right at my feet was the, the disc, <laughs> disc launch glider, or discus launch glider. Um, they, Did we had the a video we... transmitter powered on? No, it wasn't. No. It wasn't uh, FPV. Okay. It no was power, just, no motor. No. All just throw it in the air. It was a, a sailplane uh, that's thrown like a discus. And okay. so Josh was another uh, search and rescue hero. This was great. Guy walks in uh, into our into our tent, our build tent, and says, "Is uh, Jason there?" And we're like, um, "Don't see Jason. <laughs> oh, I don't know." Well, I was hoping that. Uh, they get a drone up and look for my plane. I've been looking for it. Uh, yeah. And it's uh, it's out there. Uh, okay. Well, we can bring a drone up. Um, where is it? Uh, well, it's in the field. Okay. The field is like a half mile. It's huge. So we say, um, well, where were you when, uh, when you were flying? I don't know. Well, what direction were you flying? I don't know. So we were able to establish a vector. We get out to the flight line. Josh, Josh brings up a, uh, a DJI drone, flies way to the back of the field. Josh looks over at him and says, what color is your plane? Guy says, orange. He says, uh, does it say orange crush on the wing? <laughs> Whoa, you found it. You found it. Oh, my gosh. He, was... <laughs> he, he, he transformed from curmudgeon to excited old guy in about a nanosecond. It was fun. It was he was very appreciative. Yeah, that it was, was pretty cool. Fun. So we got we got to experience a whole gamut of stuff from helping people with their their quads to doing uh, some uh, minor uh, search and rescue. Uh, it was it was definitely a fun time, um, and uh, we also got to go back to uh, flight test headquarters uh, and check that out. That was really amazing they've got a great yeah what did you think of the fpv freedom coalition sign that they put up on the wall there yep yep it's really awesome um it's good uh, to be up on the wall there for sure uh it's great to work with them they're great people um and uh we look forward to, to doing some more in fact dave and i have uh established some some plans for some ultimate combat wings that <laughs> we start developing here so i know we also had a number a number of people come up to us uh, through the weekend. FPVFC. Oh, I know you guys. So cool. That was good. It, it was not a third, a third, a third. I, <laughs> you know, I, I did not expect this group to. Which that was uh, Alex. That was your breakdown at Rampage from last year, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. But it was um, it was a surprising number of people knew about us, and mm -hmm. happily it was uh, mostly from the FTCA, the Flight Test Community Association, um, uh, YouTube. Uh, live streams so i know this that wasn't was really positive. the purpose of us being there but did many people ask you about regulations or complain about remote id or talk about stuff like that while you're there a little bit um it wasn't as heavy as i thought it would be to be honest um i think a lot of what flight test does is in the stem field and i think uh there's still a lot of uncertain or maybe not uncertainty but uninformed uh around uh, some of the remote ID stuff that's going to be coming up. And so uh, we did talk to a couple people, especially some of the actual quad uh, pilots that were there, um, that kind of thing. Uh, but there wasn't as much as I thought there would be. Um, 
So we talked a little bit with uh, Jesse Perkins uh, about it and uh, a couple other uh, quad pilots. So uh, everyone was asking me about the UAS uh, aviation safety report system and what we could do to improve it. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, people there went through the hour long survey. I was on, for all those combat was, flights, he, he was he was. Joking. I was on a DST. I was on a DST call today, and they asked, "So, did you tell people about uh, UAS ASRS?" And I said, "No, this is all proprietary information." You know, the uh, funny thing we, is, is you know, next time we go, we should have a way for people to file combat reports uh, <laughs> after combat line. and just completely <laughs> slam the system. <laughs> <laughs> Just have a station with like fifteen laptops. <laughs> and did did you check well, to make sure everybody had phone. passed their trust uh, and had their documentation on them? Well, since we're not the What's FAA, <laughs> so two did, things: we we're not the talk, police, we did, and we're not. The we FAA. did talk up. We did talk up trust. We said mm-hmm. it was a, you know, you can't, you can't fail it. So it's really not that hard. And there were a number of people like, yeah, you know, so the technical. Uh, sophistication of most of the people there were it was way beyond the trust so mm-hmm. that's a positive yeah so definitely a good so time good. uh we had a blast i and, assume uh, flight test is working on videos that'll come out eventually and oh yeah yeah in fact uh dave and i got to participate in a little bit of filming uh that was pretty cool so they flew their big uh was it a b17 and uh, yeah, it was huge. And uh, the crazy thing with this uh, B 17 is was how quiet it was. Uh, four big motors, uh, four big uh, wooden propellers, and the thing was almost whisper quiet. It was really cool. Um, but I'm telling people I was part of the flight crew, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> so uh, we got to uh, film. So we what's got that? to what's that, Alex? Uh, I was just saying to Dave, of which one? How what what time frame? <laughs> so we got to uh, one of the things they did is they did a mock uh, battle, um, in which they flew a couple of um, German planes behind it, trying to shoot it down, and they had installed uh, remote controlled kind of turrets on the. Uh, they had a upper turret and they had a ball turret underneath, and um, they had rigged it so you could control the turrets from joysticks on the ground uh, with some FPV monitors that we had set up. And uh, Dave and I got to record the turret cam, so I did the top turret, and I think Dave did the the ball turret. Belly so, turret. Yep. Um, so we recorded those in our goggles um, so that they could utilize that uh, footage uh, if they so choose. So that was super fun. Too. So I'm expecting attribution in the credits. <laughs> it was fun for me just to be able to participate. So, um, but all in all, a great event. Uh, it was good to get out uh, and uh, hang out with uh, everybody at Flight Fest, and uh, look forward to doing it again next year. So, um, yeah, that's all I've got on that. Dave, anything else to add? No, that was it. That was right. great. So I do have a couple quick articles um, that I'm going to run through here. Just some neat stuff that I came across. Um, uh, 
<clears throat> post some links here so So uh, this is actually really neat. So Zipline, uh, we've talked about them many times. Um, they have, uh, they are working. Uh, they work during the pandemic to deliver vaccines, um, and especially in places like Africa. Um, and they utilize a fixed wing system that launch off catapults, um, and they have a parachute-based um, drop. And then the um, UAV will then turn around and get caught on a hook, much like an aircraft carrier, but suspended in the air. Um, cool thing is, is they have developed a um, acoustic detection uh, for uh, avoiding, basically avoid uh, detect and avoid. Um, so this works on a 2,000 meter range, and it is using uh, acoustic microphones and onboard processors to detect planes, helicopters, any kind of obstacle that's in the airspace, and then make uh, changes to its flight path to accommodate. Um, so uh, this is in I, lieu of... Can I say that it, that it sounds batty? What's that? Can I say that it sounds batty? Why? Echolocation? <laughs> Echolocation. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> it took me a second on that. But doesn't that sound... But doesn't that mean that it sends out uh, sends out a sound, waiting for a response? Where this that is just like listening. Sonar, this this sounds like pa totally passive. Yeah, I agree, Alex. So it's not so, bad at uh, all. <laughs> so it says uh, it's lightweight um, and doesn't require any ground-based uh, processing, radar, anything like that. It's all established on the uh, airframe itself. Um, the uh, existing detection and avoidance technologies rely on bulkier ground-based systems for optical or electromagnetic awareness, which are not optimal for scaling small, long-range drone operations. Zipline's acoustic-based system combines the lightweight, affordable hardware needed for autonomous drones with precision mandated by regulators for So here's a crazy idea. Uh, Invite Zipline to next year's Flight Fest and see if they can have their autonomous drone be av avoid all of the planes <laughs> flying around. <laughs> <laughs> that would be unique. <laughs> I'd love that. That would be that would be a lot. But it's of fun. probably designed to tune out the noise from model aircraft because it is basically a model aircraft size. Yeah. I assume it's trying to avoid it like it's manned air, or yeah, crewed aircraft. Exactly. But hey, if they could dodge all of the drones trying to take it out of the sky, that'd be cool <laughs> to see. Hey. It's a, it's a great uh, love, case study, right? I like the way you, like the way you think. That'd be great, <laughs> great PR for them as well. Yeah, so this is super unique. I, I, I thought that was pretty cool. All right, so we've got... Uh, ring up our friends at Zipline. Yeah. Hey, could you send us a, uh, a sample of your acoustic? Put it in that, just that B-17 bomber. <laughs> I'm sure it's only $15,000 or so a rig. <laughs> So uh, four new drones have been added to the government-approved Blue UAS list. So you want to um, explain a little bit more what the Blue UAS list is? Yeah, so uh, the Blue UAS list is approved drones for use in uh, government uh, sectors. So this would be uh, anything government-related or government-funded. Um, and... 
they uh so this came about uh as a uh, when the government started banning dji as a uh use for uh any kind of government use so um we've got uh the uh x2d by skydio uh currently um the ion m44 by fleer uh the anafi usa govmil uh, by Parrot, the Golden Eagle by Teal Drones, and the Vesper by Vantage Robotics. Um, the new drones are the Wing One, uh, Wingtra One by Wingtra, Spirit by Ascent Aerosystems, e, EB Tac by Sensefly, um, and Alta X by Freefly Systems. Oh, that's cool. So, um, yeah, I don't uh, think I've heard of most we... of those companies before. Yeah, do you, uh, I've do heard you of Alta and Freefly. Candy? Do you know where they're located? Uh, they're they're around Pittsburgh, I thought, right? I don't know. Pittsburgh, I mean Philadelphia. They're Philadelphia-based. Or, well, Philadelphia and South Jersey. So, uh, the four drones, uh, you can kind of see we've got the Alta-X right here. Um... Uh, standard quadcopter looks like with a, um, a, a pretty uh, sizable um, rig for... Uh, yeah, it carries the red. It, it carries the... They use it for movie production. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the uh, Wingtro 1, and they kind of break these down a little further. This one's really cool, the Spirit Drone, uh, which is uh, pretty... Uh, um, so the, let's see, we've got the Wingtra 1. It's got a 59-minute flight time with payload. Uh, it's a vertical takeoff and landing. It can fly in winds of up to 27 miles and gusts up to 40 miles an hour. And uh, is optimized for surveying and mapping missions. It's no also FPV got an... freestyle drones on their list? No, not yet. <laughs> let's see, we've got the Spirit... Uh, which is all-weather capability, coaxial configuration. Um, it has 10 pounds available for batteries and payload, has a top speed of over 60 miles an hour, and can use a variety of sensors. We've got the SenseFly. I thought this one was pretty cool. It's got a maximum flight time of 90 minutes and a range of 34 miles, weighs three and a half, just over 3.5 pounds, and is designed for stealth. So... Hmm. Well, it already has a small cross-sectional area, so right. pretty much anything this size is stealth. Well, it can also fly in silent mission mode, so I'm assuming that's kind of like a, a glide-and-fly kind of thing, uh, where it's uh, just spinning the motor just enough to, to provide lift. Um, and camera options include RGB, 3D, and multispectral and thermal payloads. They can make so, that into an FPV wing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then um, let's see. The last one is the Alta X. So it's all electric VTOL capability. 35 pounds of usable payload capacity. Holds down to half its typical size. And accommodates a variety of integrated sensors and third-party payloads. As, uh, uh, EO. Uh, help me out, Alex, with that one. I can't remember. IR, uh, survey grade, mapping cameras, LIDAR, hyperspectral sensors, and drop delivery So, pretty cool. All right. Um, got this. This was 
pretty neat. Uh, this is Skyper Sonic. GS is a Red Cat company. Um, they successfully completed the world's first transcontinental drone inspection, relying only on an internet connection from a mobile phone. So Drew Camden of Rotoriot uh, piloted a drone in a, um, let's see, utility plant in Turin, Italy. Uh, so he was in Florida. Uh, the plant was in Turin, Italy. Uh, he had uh, never seen the the plant or visited, and he was able to uh, fly with, uh, I believe it was 68 milliseconds of latency from uh, across the ocean. So uh, pretty cool thing to be able to do. Um, yeah, that's pretty uh, good. It's hard to get only 68 milliseconds of latency with any kind of internet connection from here to there. And to be able to do it with a mobile phone, uh, it was pretty neat too. So, well, it's a good uh, thing it looks like they were indoors. They didn't have to worry about uh, <laughs> cross transatlantic FAA and whatever regulations they have in Italy. Well, I <laughs> it's mean, a little you know, bit BB loss. Yeah, just a, just <laughs> a smidge. But you know, I mean, the 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 actual drone wasn't in American airspace, so you know. Yeah, like how I don't know how that works. Even if you're just near a border, how that works. But yeah, so yeah, uh, their regulations. You're in a different country already, so you don't have to flee. <laughs> so um, the possibilities, of course, it goes on to say the possibilities, of course, are enormous for this advanced yet easy to use and extremely portable remote piloting technology. It's a great way to be able to do just about anything uh, in terms of inspection or anything like that. So we'll need to see advanced uh BV loss rules before uh, this is going to roll out, obviously, in the United States, but uh, the capabilities are coming along nicely. Well, as long as they keep it indoors, indoor inspections, it's no big deal. Yep, absolutely. All right, so this I thought was interesting, and it took me a little bit to kind of comprehend what was going on in this, so I'll try and explain it the best I can. Because I was trying to figure out what 4D printing uh composite printing was so um bear with me here so uh the whole gist of this is from what i can tell um they're they're chain they're using 3d printing to print a material and then they're able to apply a stimulus let's say an electrical impulse to that material and the material changes shape and that's what the fourth fourth dimension is so it's a 3d print um, with a capability of being able to change shape from a stimulus so the best way that i can um put this is if you remember in batman the the chris nolan christopher nolan batmans where he had the cape and he would apply electrical charge to the cape and it would change shape okay so it's a kind of like a memory material essentially so they're utilizing this uh, to change the shape of a wing to eliminate the, um, let's say, aileron or uh, for the plane to be able to turn. So instead of a hinged aileron, it's a almost like a metamaterial that can change shape. Pretty cool, I thought. I thought that was really <laughs> unique. So uh, the research is uh, uh, being done uh, at Concordia University in Montreal, Canada. Um, and they're using 
composite materials to develop the new wing, which would be applicable in certain types of UAVs and, pr and provide an improved wing design cost effectively. Um, so it uses, the initial printing is done on a flat surface that is then exposed to the stimulus, which causes a reaction and changes the shape of the surface of the printed object. Um, so instead of using a soft sub substance typically used in 3D printing, um, it relies on a combination of long, fine filaments that are held in place by a resin. Each filament is only 10 microns thick, which is about one-tenth the diameter of a human hair. And they apply these in kind of a um, overlapping material, like uh, process. So you got filaments facing one direction, you got other face filaments facing another direction. And uh, from what I gather, and I'm kind of reading between the lines here, is the way that those are put together determines somewhat of the shape that the material can shift into. So, um, and uh, pretty pretty neat little little process. So, so theoretically, you cool. could like have an FPV wing that had no servos, because mm -hmm. just a little bit of electricity would cause the the right shape on the wing that would allow you to turn yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, and they don't go into detail of what the stimulus is, but to me, an electric charge seems to be the easiest. You know, that's the first thing that comes mm -hmm. to mind. So I just thought that was really unique uh, in, in terms of making things simpler while making them more complex, you know, in terms <laughs> of having something that maybe won't break as easily. Um, well, yeah, next thing parts count very, very cool. Next thing you know, Alex is going to start redesigning his drone racing frame so that it changes shape mid-flight. Yeah, it goes to from go around uh, your course a true better. X to a, to a stretch. <laughs> I'm, already on, I'm already working on redesigning it, but awesome. I don't know about changing shape mid-flight. Well, I guess <laughs> actually, technically, it would do that if I crash hard enough. <laughs> oh, there you go. Just <laughs> <laughs> I just wouldn't be able to get it back to the original shape necessarily. It's just a strategic crash in the other direction. <laughs> yep. Pretty cool. All right. So uh, one last uh, thing I have: the FCC has been investigating counter unmanned aircraft companies. So, um, this comes from all in unison. Aww. I know. I'm so upset. Um, so, uh, <laughs> this comes from Jonathan Ruprecht. Um, oh, and he's the, see. he's the lawyer working with race day quads, right? He is. Yes. yes. Which so, we, um, we haven't heard anything about that lately yet either. No, we sure haven't. Yep. And, uh, kind of interested to see what comes to that for sure. Um, so uh, they discovered that the FCC has been sending letters of inquiry to counter unmanned aircraft companies. Uh, to date, we have obtained a total of eight of these letters of intents, or LOIs. Seven are to business entities and one to a person. Um, an LOI is an order of the commission to produce the documents and information requested. Um, so these investigations have something to do with radio communications and the marketing and operations of radio frequency devices within the United States. Um, they're requesting a laundry list of informations and documents from the targets. Um, they were heavily redacted so as to prevent us from gleaning intel on the FCC investigation techniques 
However, we did learn that FCC asked the target to identify FCC registration numbers, trade names of radio frequency devices marketed for sale or lease in the United States, and whether in intentional radio frequency transmitters had been tested and authorized or not. Uh, so the targets have 30 calendar days and require highly specific affidavits from authorized corporate officers verifying the truth and accuracy of the information. So um, that's not to say that, you know, these companies are on the verge of getting shut down or anything like that. It's just FCC requesting information. But we'll see what happens with this because we know uh, the FCC is uh, pretty strict in terms of radio transmissions and especially when it comes to jamming signals and, and whatnot. So that'll be pretty interesting. So, um, Dave, I'll let you kind of talk about this, but um, the Advanced Aviation Advisory Committee, formerly the DAC, now the DAC. <laughs> How um, long do we have to keep meeting... saying formerly the DAC? But... Yeah, well, you know, it's honestly, it's, it's hard. As we say, the, the, the musician formerly known as Prince. <laughs> right. So, I mean, here's the hard part is it was the Drone Advisory Committee, and that's what people know it as. And if we say the Advanced Aviation Advisory Committee, uh, it feels like it doesn't have a lot to do with UAS anymore. Um, and, well, that's not the case. Um, to me, the Drone Advisory Committee, uh, you know, it was a little more well-rounded of a, of a term and a little more specific. But I know they're trying to, to rope in advanced air mobility and, and whatnot into it. But, yeah. you know. I, the important thing um, is that they are having a meeting tomorrow. Yes. Tomorrow. Yep. 10 a.m. Eastern till 2.30 Eastern. And the um, there was a, a little ray of uh, hope under the new business and potential FAA tasking recommendations. And that's good. The, uh, the not so good is that the response to TG12, uh, tasking group 12, which was about uh, STEM and education, uh, I would characterize as sleeves from their vest. So they uh, pointed to all the things that they are the the FAA responded to the uh, TG12, the education and STEM project that we worked on, uh, both Alex and I, and uh, they pointed they FAA pointed to all of the FAA programs they're working on and said that they are also working on a larger, grander project. Uh, but there were very 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 few commitments about this is what we will do as opposed to this is what we're doing already uh there are also no vacancy vacancies filled so i think there were there are six opens and uh, none of those are filled and there are no new official taskings uh, my knowledge at least not in the chart set that uh was uh on the the document that uh, josh is sharing so on the of note under the uh the slides on uh, which are at least the page numbers are 88 and 89 there are six uh bullets and uh three of them came from us so that's uh that's cool uh that says that we're listened to and respected that's awfully nice uh also vic moss has brought up uh one and uh, this is uh important to all of us uh uasaam operator security uh so vic uh, has brought to the attention of uh, the ACK, and uh, we jumped on and supported uh, the notion that we are, um, there are situations where 
pilots and operators are being assaulted or uh, abused or harassed and uh, or aircraft are being shot out of the sky and to date the uh, FAA has done very little to uh, advocate the position that shooting an aircraft out of the sky is a felony and they've also done uh, nothing to uh, officially identify a UAS um, flight crew as uh, official aircraft flight crew which would uh, sweep us uh, under the uh, benefit of uh, uh, assault would become a felony assault. So as it would be good things for us, and happily it's being taken seriously by uh, the chair of uh, the AC, Houston Mills, so our thanks to him. And uh, one of the priorities, uh, tasks remaining for the uh, FAA Reauthorization Act, that was submitted by us. Uh, what can we do to speed rulemaking process? That was ours. And then the, uh, what can we do to accelerate short-term BB loss arc recommendations that came from us as well. So we're being listened to, and that's nice. Absolutely. So, and uh, Alex, you're going to be there, right? Yes, I will be there, and I will be bringing some tiny hawks that were provided by Emacs to get some of those ACK members to actually fly a drone because several of them have never flown a drone before. I would dare say most of them have never flown a drone before, and I'd be willing to bet money on that. Yeah, Yay. I would too. And I think that's going to be awesome. Uh, please so. take uh, some great photos. Uh, take some good video. You got the FPVFC stickers on something there yet? Not yet. I was in the middle of working on testing this stuff, and then it became nine o'clock, and I got a text message. <laughs> Somebody said you should be in this meeting, huh? <laughs> yep. It was, was polite. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's good. We're also working on the the DST, and that's around uh, ASRS. And so that's uh, that that's going to take a while. This is a very different uh, group of people than we're accustomed to working with. So it's a lot of aviation legacy folks. And change is bad, so we don't want to change anything. So, well, I really hope things go well with getting the there. the DAC members under some goggles, or the, the AC members under some FPV goggles. And I know people have been asking for them to do that for a very long time. So, if there's any way we can sort of prove to the community that it's happening, that would be awesome. Yeah, and maybe we'll even get Jay Merkel to go under goggles too. You know, that would be a yeah. win for sure. So. That'd be good. Yep. And I know you'll get support from Vic and uh, Vic Moss Kenji. and Kenji Sukahara, DAC, both DAC members. So that's goodness. So uh, definitely cool. Um, and uh, definitely something that uh, we look forward to hearing about uh, next uh, meeting. So, um, Dan, you got anything for us, sir? Um, let's see. I don't really have anything. Um, oh, I was going to ask. Uh, what people's thoughts were. Did anybody watch um, last week's Beyond Visual Line of Sight uh, lives? Well, the, what did they call it? The, the meeting where the FAA public. went, <clears throat> the public meeting where they went, uh, uh, like, let people complain about the Beyond Visual Line of Sight arc. And well, one person didn't complain, but most of them were all complaining about it. <laughs> no, no it I didn't get a chance to watch it. It was on the it was on the twenty second, I think, at like five thirty Eastern. Uh, Correct. I was not able to uh, to attend, but uh, I'd be interested in any feedback. 
Um, let's yeah, what see. did you what did you notice? I Dan? briefly watched. I couldn't watch it live, um, but I did watch the replay. The Beyond Visual Line of Sight Arc Listening. Oops. Listening uh, session. Listening session. <laughs> yeah. Good evening. And let me see if I can grab this link here, and I'll put it in the paste it. If you watch it at like one and a half times speed, it only takes you like 30 minutes to watch the whole thing. But it's yeah. it's kind of like what you would expect. Um, people representing various levels of crewed aircraft were complaining um, that the Beyond Visual Line of Sight arc doesn't know what they're talking about and that drones are going to take manned aircraft out of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> we should invite them to play with us. <laughs> you're <laughs> oh, talking like there was somebody representing like crop dusters and saying that how how many flights they have and how low they fly and that they're going to hit drones flying around and based on that study well, that airplanes are going to drop out of the sky because they cause severe damage and all you kinds know of stuff. just I... replace the crop dusters with a drone i was going to say it's like i, I didn't want to say uh you know Go get a Tesla, but you know they're they're you fighting for their jobs, and, right? But what's to say that they can't do the same job faster and more efficiently with a drone? And, and yeah, it's unfortunate safer. that it's unfortunate that the AG uh, organization took that position because they've participated in two or three tasking groups that I've been on, and they've been really open-minded. Things like we will require ADSB out to, for all of our aircraft if. Uh, if there's uh, any type of uh, uh, popular movement to have ADS-B in on uh, drones, on UAS. Mm -hmm. So to take a uh, the sky is falling is a very unfortunate uh, approach. I assume yeah. it was an AAAA, uh, four A's uh, person. That's the... I the, uh, don't remember specifically. A Aviation Aircraft Association or something such. Yeah, and I don't know if usually it was like very, the same group of people that were, people. were in those meetings or if it was somebody else representing a different group of people right. like that. But yeah, you should well, here's... definitely take a, take a watch of uh, ah, take a look at that video, Dave, and see what you think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely want to watch that. Uh, that. That'd be interesting because I know a lot of, I mean, on our side, you know, in, in terms of our industry, um, everybody's pushing for them to accept it. And I mean, there's a lot of uh, interesting topics in there, including things that are important to us, like shielded operations, right? So, mm -hmm. um, and it's something that uh, I was actually talking to one of my coworkers with because we have an event coming up and they're like, oh, can you put up uh, one of your drones and get some drone shots? And I said, actually, no, I can't because we're in a zero field and I can't fly right here. And, but, you know, and then you start talking about shielded operations and, you know, as long as I'm flying below the building ridge line and, and that kind of stuff, you know, if that, that would take effect, I would be with 100% within my right to fly there. So um, stuff like that can be a little frustrating. And uh, so we'll see what happens with it, but uh, I feel like uh, they need to kind of move along as well as, you know, I feel like they need to move along with a lot of things, <laughs> uh, including... CBOs, um, still not salty about it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, moving, moving a lot faster. It's now, uh, I'm, I believe, more and more strongly that uh, we're losing uh, pace to the rest of the world because uh, 
our, our regulatory uh, inhibitors, and I, that's not something I'm accustomed to. It's uh, certainly in, in global tech. Uh, we, we are the trendsetters. Usually move a little. Could use, usually move a little more quickly. Yeah, and so I don't know, you know, what's going on at the FAA in terms of the UAS Immigration Office, but we definitely need to see some faster traction on some of this stuff. I mean, we're we're nearing the next reauthorization. We haven't resolved issues for the current one, and that's a problem. right. Yeah, is that normal? Like there's some. <laughs> yeah, apparently it is. <laughs> I mean, I, to be honest, I, I've, I've only been in this regulation within the field. five years. Yeah, so I mean, I, I use, I've, I've only been in the regulatory, you know, field uh, since this, uh, this last reauthorization. So I couldn't tell you if, you know, they've completed everything in past ones. You know, it, it's definitely a problem for, for our industry. Well, I'm, I'm sure in Dave's previous life, if somebody working for him uh, was given a task and had five years to do it and didn't make any progress on it, they wouldn't still be around. Like they would have waited five years? <laughs> Not five years. In my world, if yeah. you don't meet the deadline, that's that. <laughs> yep. So Usually uh, one or two quarters. Yeah, so tolerance. we got we to gotta get the... They gotta well, it's not we because we're not the FAA, but uh, they gotta get moving. So. Oh, that but, reminds uh, me. Did um, did you have Rob Lowe at the flight fest, and how did that go? No, he was when not he... able to make it. Oh, that's he had a personal situation pop up. Yeah, it was. Uh, we were really looking forward to having him, but uh, you know, next time, you know, would be would be great, and uh, uh, maybe we can get him on uh, a podcast. So, uh, hope everything's fine with him. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was a little frustrating, but, uh, it was great to have the, the folks that we did have there, uh, Greg from, uh, Pilot Institute. We had Jesse Perkins we had and most of his, Greg. most of his team. Yeah. yeah Greg, exactly. Greg brought out, uh, it was a great showing and flew mm -hmm. his uh, big octocopter and had a booth and it was, uh, well received. Does was anybody actually, know uh, if Greg is at all interested in, applying to the ACK, I feel like he would fit a couple of the open positions. You know, I don't know. I haven't talked to him about it. That's actually an interesting, interesting uh, question. We should reach that. Is that academia yeah, I can one? ask him. Yeah, there's at least one, an academia one, and I thought maybe there was something else that sort of fit his position but definitely that one yeah it's a good thought it is a it'd be a good ad yeah really surprised Anywho. that they've been op those open positions for so long but i don't know what the hold up is yeah they got they got secretary of transportation approval to expand ex change the name expand the number of people and then they leave the vacancies it's like <laughs> yeah. yeah you'd think if you were the secretary of transportation you're like you guys are just wasting my time why did i approve this yeah. you you jammed me up on approving this and now you sit for almost a year with these opens very frustrating not a good look not a good look all right anybody else got anything to round us out for the evening Any races going on, Alex? 
Uh, I have two this weekend. Yeah? What are you going to? Uh, Global Qualifier New Jersey, and then a just normal fun race in Central Pennsylvania. Nice. Well, again, congratulations on your... uh... Second place Second win. Place win awesome. in we were we were actually bragging about you a lot this weekend. So, and so you were you. on that uh, news story. I know. Yep, my local paper. Wrote there you go. About uh, the collegiate race. Collegiate. That's awesome. So Very nice. Keep it up, man. Keep it up. All right. So with that, I think I'll let you all go for the evening. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully, you guys learned something. I know we talked a lot. Uh, I apologize. Normally we want to do uh, definitely some more feedback, but uh, uh, we just had a lot to get through today. But uh, do appreciate you guys for joining, and we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. All right. Thanks, everybody.